Good morning. Uh, it's good to see all of you. My wife has uh, something she wants to share with all of you, so come on up here. She writes all my sermons, so this... Uh... That is actually true. I didn't want to brag, but I just want to say thank you, everyone, for being there for me um, the past month. Um, thank you is not even... It needs to be so much more than that, and so I just want to say... How much I appreciate everyone from the calls to the text um, to the meals to just showing up out of the blue, coming to the funeral home, um, the gifts. Um, losing my mom has been one of the hardest things I've ever had to go through, and you guys have made it just a little bit easier. So I just want to thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for everything that you've done. And that's it. You sure you don't want to preach? I'm positive. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. It really does uh, help and mean the world to us that we've got such a great church family and so many good friends, so thank you guys so much. Uh, today, we are finishing up, and I'm sad about it in a way. This is the last sermon in the Gospel of Mark series uh, that we will do, and it's been a journey, almost two years, so if you have been that patient with us. Thank you for sticking it out. I hope that it's blessed you as much as it has blessed me. Today, I want to talk to you about the resurrected king and the hope that he brings. We're looking at Mark chapter 16. If you want to turn there in your Bibles, as you're turning there, two quick announcements. Uh, Upward basketball is going to take place in this gym during the months of December, January, and February, Uh, maybe just leaking into March a little bit. Uh, Our goal is that all of the coaches in our division, we're doing fifth and sixth grade, uh, all of the coaches are CCW people. I have a good, a very valid reason for that that I'll preach about some other time, but I could use your help. Right now we've got like two or three guys that are committed, Ga- guy or gal, doesn't matter if you know basketball or don't, we could use your help. So please see David Lane to get signed up for that. Uh, we need at least four more people to coach. It's a one-hour commitment through the week and one hour on Saturday. So uh, eight weeks is what we're asking for. Um, so please pray about that. Also, October 22nd, please mark your calendar. We're having a fall festival. Uh, all sorts of fun stuff's going to happen here on our campus on that uh, Saturday afternoon. We'll start around 5 p.m., go until about 9. A uh, ton of stuff for the whole family, so please mark your calendar and plan to be here for that. Okay, so uh, Mark chapter 16 is where we're hanging out today. And uh, if you follow along with us in the Mark series, uh, then you'll know Mark is a biography written by a guy named Mark, who was a traveling companion of a guy named Peter, who walked around with Jesus for the better part of three years. Uh, so Mark records what Peter remembers about what Jesus did. And as Mark and Peter are sitting down, thinking about how they're going to put this down on paper, uh, one of the things that they highlight is Jesus Christ is the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. He's the Son of God, and he's the Savior of the world. And, and through the Gospel of Mark, uh, Mark highlights all the things that Jesus did and said that, um, that prove, that demonstrate Jesus' lordship over all creation. And so we've seen that Jesus has power through the Gospel of Mark. He has power over disease. He has power over darkness. He has power over disaster. He has power over destitution. He has power over death. Uh, he even raised people uh, that had been dead for multiple days, raised them back to life. So it seemed like there was nothing Jesus couldn't do. Uh, he lived the most meaningful life that anyone, any human being has ever lived. Jesus was the pinnacle of humanity. Um, and so um, it's, it's kind of tragic, the last week of Jesus' life, 
Uh, there was all sorts of really bad things that have happened, and we've been camped out in that last week of Jesus' life, which was very difficult for him. Just to summarize it, Judas betrayed him. Guards arrested him. His friends abandoned him. The Sanhedrin tried him. Guards assaulted him. Peter denied him. The crowd rejected him. Pilate convicted him. Soldiers flogged him. Thorns crowned him. Nails pierced him. Thieves mocked him. The father forsake him. Breath left him. Joseph buried him. The women grieved him. Jesus was dead, and it seemed at the end of Mark chapter 15, it seemed like all hope was lost. It appeared that the story was over, and it felt like evil had won. But today, I want to remind all of us that because Jesus has won the victory over darkness and death, there is always, always, always hope. So let's all stand together. Mark chapter 16. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint Jesus' body. Very early on, the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. They asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in white robes sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen. See the place where they laid him. But go and tell Peter, tell the disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this place, and thank you for these people. Lord, I'm grateful for all my friends gathered here today and everybody that's watching online, and I pray a blessing on each and every one of them. Uh, Lord, we come here and we gather around your word today because we honor and respect you and we long for more of you. Lord, we recognize that without you, we have no hope. Without, without you, uh, Lord, uh, we're doomed. Our destiny is destruction. But because of you, Lord, we have the victory over death and darkness and disease and disaster and despair and depression, and everything else, Lord, that the enemy would try and throw at us, Lord. Uh, we are overcomers because you overcame. And so we praise you today. Lord, I pray you'll remind us of the hope that we have in our resurrected King. As you stand there with your eyes closed and your head bowed, take a moment and pray for the people around you. Pray for the people that should be here today but aren't here today. Pray that you might have an opportunity to share the gospel with them. Take a moment and pray for our city. And pray for yourself. Father, speak to us. We're ready to hear what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Mark 16, verse 1. The Sabbath was over. That was a Saturday. Jesus was crucified on Friday. Saturday was silent. And so this is Sunday morning. Mary Magdalene, uh, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome, brought spices so that they might go and anoint Jesus' body. Uh, so they're on their way to the tomb uh, that first Easter Sunday morning, um, and they don't have a lot of hope. They brought spices because they needed to anoint Jesus' corpse. Because on the first Easter Sunday morning, nobody expected to find nobody. They never dreamed to find an empty tomb. They never expected to encounter a risen Savior. Their hope for Jesus and the kingdom died on the cross. Mary Magdalene is rich, mentioned here. 
Uh, the scriptures teach us that she had been possessed by seven demons. One demon's bad enough. If you don't believe me, ask somebody that's trying to raise a teenager. So I'm only joking. Seven demons, way too much to handle. Uh, in the scriptures, we see the activity of demons is destroying of lives. Uh, in the scriptures, we see uh, demon people that are possessed by demons. They terrorize whole communities. Uh, they uh, throw themselves into fires. They hurt people. Uh, they even cut themselves. And so these demons would have destroyed Mary Magdalene's life, leaving her hopeless and helpless. Uh, people that were demon-possessed were often became social outcasts. Their family disowned them. They lost their jobs. A lot of times they would end up home, homeless. And so you can imagine that Mary, uh, when, whenever she had her capacities about her, she was probably like the man from the garrison who night after night would cut himself just hoping that he wouldn't wake up in the morning. And that's probably where Mary was too. She was hopeless and she was helpless. But then Jesus came to her town. And with one word, Jesus did for her what no one else could do because at one word from Jesus, even the demons flee. In appreciation to her deliverance, Mary did the only logical and reasonable thing to do. She followed Jesus from that day forward. She dedicated her life to the service of Jesus Christ. And so she was determined to get to the tomb that first Easter Sunday morning because she thought to herself, after all he's done for me, the very least I could do for him is make sure he has a proper burial. As they approached the tomb, the women asked, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? Now, what they didn't know is on that Saturday, uh, some of the Jewish religious leaders, they had come to Pilate, who was the governor of this region and in charge of everything that was going on there at the tomb. They came to him and they said, there's a chance that somebody's going to try and mess with Jesus' body, maybe steal his body. And so you need to put some extra security there. And so what they did is they put a seal on the tomb and they put soldiers around the tomb. And so placed between the women and Jesus was a seal and a stone and soldiers. They didn't know how they'd moved the stone. They didn't even know about the soldiers, but they didn't give up. They kept going. Now, this is what I want to encourage you with this morning no matter what stone may be in your way today, can I encourage you to keep the faith? Can I encourage you to keep going? Even if you don't know how it's going to work out, even if you don't know how you're going to move the stone, because Jesus makes a way where there is no way. Look at verse 4. When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe. This is an angel. He's sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. So they get to the stone that they weren't sure how they were going to navigate, and it had already been taken care of them, of it for them. The soldiers had already been taken care of. The steel had already been taken care of. I'm blown away sometimes. I look at my past and all the trouble I could have got into, all the problems I could have had that I didn't even know about that Jesus delivered me for, from before I ever got to it. I was wondering this week, why did Jesus move the stone away? Now, you might think, well, this is pretty obvious. You know, Jesus had to get out of the tomb. But when you read John chapter 20, you learn that in Jesus' glorified body, he could walk through walls. And so Jesus didn't need to move the stone to get out. And so the only thing I can figure out is Jesus moved the stone so that the women could get in. You see, he wanted his friends to see the empty tomb. He wanted all of us to know the power of the resurrection. 
He wanted to communicate to all the rulers and the authorities and the powers of darkness and the spiritual forces of evil in this world. He wanted to communicate to all of them, you have absolutely no power over me. Jesus wanted them to see there is no force on earth. There is no demon in hell that can disrupt the plan and the purpose of Jesus Christ for this world and for your life. That rolled stone is proof. Jesus will move heaven and earth so that you can be where he is. The rolled stone is proof. There is no obstacle the enemy can put in your way to keep God from fulfilling his plan and purpose for this world and for your life. And so I don't know what's blocking your way today. I don't know what's got you doubting and got you stressing and got you anxious and got you depressed, but I want to encourage you today to keep believing. I want to encourage you today to keep praying. I want to encourage you today to keep opening the word and and letting God speak to your heart and change you from the inside out. I want to encourage you to keep doing the right things even when all the wrong things are happening. I want to encourage you to keep seeking after Jesus because he can make a way where there is no way. There's hope for your life. There's hope for your family. There's hope for your future. There's hope for Winchester. There's hope for Kentucky. There's hope for the United States of America. There's hope for this whole world. There's hope no matter what because even when we can't, even when you can't, even when the politicians can't, even when the armies can't, even when the best scientists can't, Jesus can. I love what the angel said to the women as they looked into the tomb, verse 6. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen. They were afraid because they looked in and they saw something they didn't expect to see. But the angel says, you don't have to be afraid because God doesn't want us to live in fear. The Bible says the Bible, the Bible says that God did not give us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and a sound mind. God wants us to replace our fear with faith. He wants us to not have fear and anxiety and depression. He wants us to have hope and peace and joy. And so he's, he, the angel speaks against the fear that they have, and then he gives them a reason why they shouldn't be afraid. You see, they say to them, you're looking for the one. He was crucified, but now he is risen. He was just Jesus the Nazarene, but now he is Jesus the King of Kings. He was humiliated, but now he is glorified. He was punished, but now he is praised. He was dead, but now he is alive. You see, the resurrection is proof that there is eternal life in Jesus' name. To every person who is grieving the loss of a loved one today, this is very fresh for us and our family, but I got great news for you today. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is proof that death is not a destination. The funeral is not the end. In John chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus said to this lady who was mourning the loss of her brother who she loved deeply, he says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And so in sure and certain hope of the resurrection from the dead, we know we will see our believing loved ones again. Death is not the end. Jesus doesn't just give us a dying hope. He doesn't just give us a hope for the funeral home. He doesn't just give us a hope for the cemetery. The Bible says in 1 Peter that Jesus gives us a living hope. He gives us a hope for a new and better and brighter life. 
Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 and following. Do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do I have any wrongdoers in this room? I got one honest person. Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Can you see yourself on that list? If you're having trouble, ask one of your kids or your siblings. We're all on that list, some form or fashion. A lot of us, because we're on that list and we've got some bad history in our past, we've got some, some bad habits in our past, we've got some hang-ups that we struggle with, the enemy wants to convince you that there's no hope for a person like you because you're on this list. He wants you to believe because of your bad and sinful choices that you, can't have, you cannot have a better life. You cannot turn it around. He wants you to remain dead in your sin he wants you buried in guilt and shame. But I want you to look at verse 11 of this verse. Wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God, Paul says. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And so many of you are here today and you can say, I was addicted I was abusive, I was angry, I was bitter, I was broken, I was a lying, cheating, adulterous murderer in my heart. Jesus said, if you've hated your brother, you've committed murder in your heart. If you've lusted after another person, you are adultered, you're an adulterer, you've, a, you, you've committed adultery in your heart. That's what some of you were. Some of you were hopeless and helpless, but in Jesus' name, you are set free. In Jesus' name, you are healed. In Jesus' name, you are blessed. In Jesus' name, you are an overcomer. In Jesus' name, you are redeemed. You are forgiven. You are accepted. You are loved. You are a citizen of heaven. You are a child of God. You are a light in the darkness. You are lost, but now you are found. You are blind, but now you see. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, but now you are alive in Christ Jesus. And so in Jesus' name, you can have a new life. I got great news for you today. Things don't have to be the way they've always been. There's no sin so grave that Jesus can't forgive. There's no sinner so far gone that Jesus can't make right. Jesus changed the course of human history that Easter Sunday morning, and he can change your life today. You can have a fresh start. You can have a blank slate. You can have a new life in Jesus' name. Today can be the first day of the rest of your life. The resurrection is proof of that. One last thing that caught my eye this week, verse 7. But go and tell his disciples in Peter, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Now that little phrase, just as he told you, that's a theme that we often overlook in the resurrection narratives of the Bible. Look at Matthew chapter 28, verse 5. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Luke chapter 24, verse 5. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Asked the men. He's not here, but he has risen. 
Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee and saying, it's necessary the Son of Man be betrayed in the hands of sinful men, be crucified and, on the, on, and rise on the third day? And then they remembered his words. And so the angels, they made it a point to connect what Jesus did with what Jesus said he would do. Now, I shouldn't have to convince any of you of this. Uh, the last couple of years have driven this point home, but just to remind you, you cannot always trust people. How many of you have learned that? My wife came to me a few years ago, and she said, honey, I really like a puppy. Now, I'm not an animal person, okay? <laughs> Animals love me, okay? It's not that I don't like them. It's just like, you know, we, we just have, they love me, and they come and find me and lick me and snuggle me, and I don't know what it is. So I wasn't really keen on this, and so she had to do some convincing, and she said something uh, that really, you know, it, 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 it scaled the, the uh, put, tipped the scales in her favor. She said, honey, if you'll get me a puppy, I will never ask for anything ever again. <laughs> I'm a very pragmatic man. I did the math in my head, and I thought, this is a really good deal for me, and so I went and got a puppy. Now, can you believe that just a couple months later on her birthday, she brought a list to me this long of all the things that she wanted? Can't always count on people, right? Can't always trust what people say. Numbers chapter 23, verse 19, praise God, he is not like people. He tells no lies. He's not like humans. He doesn't change his mind. When he says something, he does it. When he makes a promise, he keeps it. I want to encourage you today, don't put too much trust in people. Don't put too much trust. Everybody, we keep hearing, trust the science. Don't put blind faith in what you read on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and Twitter or what's coming through the television screen. Don't put too much. Don't put the blind faith in that. Please fact check the mainstream media. Please do that. Please don't put your hope in politicians doesn't matter if they have an R or a D or an I beside their name. Most of them are just going to say whatever gets them elected. Most of them really don't care about the lives that we're living. They just want more power and money and influence. Amen? Don't, don't put all your hope in these people. And don't put your hope, don't put your blind faith in preachers. Okay? Let me say it again. Don't put your faith in preachers. Preachers will let you down. I will let you down. If we go down to Boonesboro Beach in that muddy water, if I step into it, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to sink. I'm not going to walk on it. I'm going to sink. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to do dumb stuff. If you don't believe me, ask my wife. She will tell you real quick. Don't put blind faith in people, but put all of your faith in God because he will never, ever, ever let you down. Now, some of you, you pause when I say that, and you can think back to a time when you think God let you down. Now, I want to say this, and I want to say it in love. The fault is not with God. The fault is with you. Because this is what we do. We want to put words in God's mouth and hold him accountable to fulfill promises that he never claimed to make. We want to hold God and say, we put words in God's mouth, and, and we want him to, to keep the promises that he never even made. You see, Jesus never said, if you follow me, 
You will have a problem-free life. You come and follow me, and immediately you'll lose 10 pounds, and your blood pressure will be perfect. Your kids will all of a sudden start listening to you. Your roof will never leak. Your tires will never go flat. Your clothes will always be in style. You'll never get gray hair. You, you, you're just, everything's going to be perfect. It's going to be beautiful. You'll be able to eat all the food that you want, and it'll be healthy. Your bills are Jesus never promised that. Actually, Jesus promised the reverse, didn't he? Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. You are going to have problems. You are going to have difficulties. You are going to have trials and tribulations. This is what Jesus promised us. But here's the good news. Take heart. Have faith. Keep praying. Keep believing. Keep coming to church. Keep seeking after Jesus. Why? Jesus says, because I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. And so if Jesus says it, he's going to do it. When he makes a promise, he keeps it. The empty tomb is proof that Jesus is a promise keeper. Jesus told them on Friday, I'll be crucified. But on Sunday, I'll be raised. But what the disciples saw on Friday and what they felt on Saturday made them forget Jesus' promise to them that he made on Thursday. They forgot the promises, and so they lost the hope. It's easy to let your circumstances make you doubt God's promises. But let me, let me encourage you today. Don't let this old world drive you into despair. Because in the same way Jesus said, I'm going to the grave, but I'm coming back. He also said, I'm going to the Father, but I'm coming back. And so if you've lost hope because of your difficult situations, you need to be reminded this morning that your story is not over. Jesus said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And so even in your darkest moments, Jesus is with you. You are not alone. Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men. He promised that. And so what he's saying is, I've got a plan and a purpose. I've got meaning in your life. And what I've called you to, I'll equip you for. Every challenge and trial and tribulation that, that you end up walking into, just know that my grace is sufficient and I will get you through it. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus says, I have a plan, I have a mission for this world, and I'm going to advance this kingdom to the ends of the earth. And he says that there's gates that the enemy has. What are gates? What are gates for? Gates are not an offensive weapon. What are they? They're a defensive weapon, aren't they? And so hell, Satan, and all of his minions, they have these blockades up, and they're trying to stop, they're trying to impede God's advancement of his good and glorious kingdom. And this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, there are no powers of evil or darkness from the pit of hell that can stop God's plan and purpose for this world and for your life. The empty tomb is proof that hell doesn't stand a chance. In his life and death and resurrection, Jesus took the full destructive force of hell. The evil powers and principalities unleashed all their fury on Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and he withstood it all with his hands tied behind his back. They thought it killed him. They thought it destroyed him. He's buried in an empty tomb, but, or buried in a tomb, but three days later, he bust up out of the grave as if to say to the devil and demons and all the rebels on the earth, is that all you've got? God has an unbelievable plan for this world and for your life. And God has an unstoppable power to accomplish his plans and his purposes.
as difficult as life can be, in Christ, your story is not over. Winchester's story is not over. Kentucky's story is not over. The United States of America's story is not over. This world's story is not over, so don't give up. Our future is full of promise because of our Lord and Savior. He makes a way where there is no way. He brings new life where there was death. He keeps his promises no matter what. And so trust in him. Seek after him. Love him with all your heart and live for him all your days. And you won't be disappointed. We're going to sing a song of invitation. I ask the praise team to come on up. And as they do, I can't ever preach this passage without pointing this out. There's people maybe here today, I don't know what your story is, all of you, but somebody may be thinking, well, these, these promises sound great and incredible, and I wish I could live with that kind of hope in my life, but I just can't, I can't envision how these promises are true for me. I've gone too far, I've done too much evil, too much wrong in my life to ever be made right, and there's no way that God can save or redeem or use a person like me. And if that's you today, I want to point your attention to two words that I think could change your life. Verse 7 again, but go and tell his disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Two words that could change your life today, and Peter. You see, the night before Jesus was crucified, he told his disciples, I'll soon be killed. I'm going to be wrongfully convicted. I'm going to be murdered, and you'll all scatter. And Peter, he, he, he's loudmouth, and sometimes he talked before he thought, I can be guilty of that. He, interrupt, he interrupted Jesus, rebuked Jesus. He said, no, 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 I will never, ever, ever let that happen. No matter what they do to me, I will never abandon you. I will never forsake you. Even if they kill me, I'm going to stay right by your side. And Jesus said, not only, not only will you desert me, you're going to deny me. Jesus was arrested, and he was dragged off for a bogus crime, and Peter, the Bible says Peter followed at a distance. During Jesus' trial, uh, there were grown men that were punching him in the face. And while they're abusing Jesus, Peter's in the courtyard within eye shot. And there's this little teenage girl that comes up to Peter. And she says, aren't you one of those Jesus followers? And he tried to ignore her at first, but he couldn't get away with it. She kept chasing him around the courtyard. And uh, finally... She kept persisting, aren't you one of them, aren't you one of them? And he, he, he started cussing. He started cursing the name of Jesus. He said, I do not know that man. And the moment Peter said that, the Bible says that Jesus caught eyes with Peter. He looked up from the beating that he was taking. And in that moment, Peter realized what he had done. And it crushed him. And he ran off and wept bitterly. Now, on that Good Friday, there were two people that betrayed Jesus. One was Judas, and he hanged himself. The other one was Peter. So you can just imagine where he's at on that Easter Sunday morning when the women arrive back from the empty tomb. Peter is devastated by what he has done. And the women came back and they gave their report. The tomb is empty. Jesus is alive. And he said, for all of you to meet him in Galilee. In that moment, Peter had to have asked, even me? After all I've done? And the women would have replied, Peter, Jesus said, especially you. Are you far from God today because of guilt and shame? 
you need to be reminded of two words, and Peter. There is hope for you, especially you. Are you ready to come home? Ready to come back to Jesus? Ready to live in hope and joy and peace? Peter ran to the tomb. You need to run to Jesus. This is how we do it. As we sing this song, let's all stand together. If you want to start that personal relationship with Jesus, please come talk to me. And I'll tell you about your next steps. If you're here today and you've given your life to the Lord, but you, uh, you got some burdens, you got some stones in your way, whatever those stones are, whether you're, they're your fault or somebody else's, I just encourage you to come to the altar and lay them before the cross. As we sing this song, come. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you lived and you died and you rose again to defeat the enemies that we couldn't do anything with, to secure for us eternal salvation. Lord, to give us our true purpose, to reveal your true plan, to empower us to live the life that honors you, to give us a new life, to give us hope and joy and peace. We celebrate you. We worship you today. Lord, if there's any person in this room who's far from you, any person in this room who's burdened by this world, Lord, I pray that you'll help them to draw nearer to you as we sing this song. In Christ's name, amen.